1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is episode two of the Adulting with Asperger's podcast with me, Ryan Summers. Um, just recording this while I'm out for a walk, so hopefully the audio will be okay. I'll, of course, review it after, and I won't post it up if it's not, um, you know, if you can't hear it, um, and please excuse me if I am breathing a little heavy, I'm just kind of walking around um, the woods where we live, up and down some trails and things, so sometimes going up some of these hills, I might be a little heavy, but um, this is the only opportunity I have to record, uh, I've got a short window here before I've got to go, go to uh, work, and uh, a few people have been asking, hey, when's the next one coming out, so I just thought I'd get something together real quick, go over some of the things I've been thinking about over the last uh, week, and um, yeah so yeah it's funny right now I'm I'm I've got to leave for work in about 45 minutes and I'm feeling anxiety about it uh started a new job about a month ago and I've been just noticing the anxiety that I have every day before work it's something I've been dealing with my entire life um just this constant anxiety—it it goes up and down. It's some days it's it's just barely there, and other days it's almost crippling. Um, I have certainly in the past phoned in sick to work, um, not because of physical illness, but because of anxiety. Uh, I feel like doing that today. I I really just feel like I need a day at home, alone, with quiet just, you know, a book, and my cat, Uh, as funny as that sounds, but it's true, Um, this, you know, I think, I saw a meme the other day that sort of compared, uh, you know, the energy level to a battery, and how your battery just gets drained, and and it was a person walking around, and seeing different people in crowds and things and there was a little icon above it looked like a a, a cell phone battery saying you know starting at 100% and then down to 70% down to 30% and then down to zero and the person's you know walking home alone and I certainly share that um feeling like when 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 life is just go 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 and I don't get that downtime it's very difficult to continue um I've always needed more downtime, more alone time than than other people that I've known. It's just part of who I am. And before I really recognized this as part of Asperger's or, or autism spectrum, it's uh, I just thought maybe, well, maybe I'm just an introvert. Um, but I, it seems to be more than that. It's Sometimes it gets to the point where I just simply can't function. I just it's literally feels like the battery is just drained and there's nothing there and i just can't deal with other humans or or busyness or sound or noise or just movement or people um oh it's starting to rain now it's actually kind of nice i'm down by the river which is which is helpful um but yeah so i'm noticing that feeling today i'm on my you know, like I said, going into work and 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 it's not that my work is particularly difficult or or, or stressful in and of itself, but it's just, the, you know, I, I I think there's something to this that. You know, from for from what I can see, for most people going into work is just a normal thing that you just do. Uh, but for me, it, it's like every day. It's it's kind of a big deal. It's like just getting the energy together to to shower, to change, to to shave, to put on clean clothes, to just drive there, to, and then all, the whole time to psych myself up to be able to walk in and and. Okay, I I gotta talk to people. I've gotta be turned on. I've gotta be able to interact with other humans. None of this is really natural, and it's it's, so I get all this anxiety about it, and I spend, you know, the hours leading up to going to work just dealing with the anxiety of it, and it's it's that in and of itself is is exhausting. But what can you do? You have to. Um, you know, my cell phone bill and my hydro bill and my, you know, living costs. You've got a rent or a mortgage and you've got bills and you got to put gas in the car and pay the insurance and uh, buy groceries, all these things. You know, I I sometimes think I would have been better off in sort of hunter-gatherer days where... at least seemed like there was a purpose to what we were doing but I sometimes feel like there's no purpose to any of this it seems like you're just going to work just to make money which is a very abstract arbitrary concept to me that I struggle with and then to have to deal with people the whole time and everything else it's just really difficult but but we do it because we have to And, and I think um one of the things I've been finding out in my research with people with with autism or Aspergers, unless we are able to find something that we really love and are really good at, a lot of people end up bouncing around from job to job, and you know, sometimes getting fired or having to quit because of the stress and anxiety and depression and everything else that goes with it. And I've certainly been through that, I think I mentioned last week that I've probably had 50 plus different jobs and in various different fields, and and it's frustrating because I'm, like I said, I'm intelligent and creative and a hard worker, Um, but it's the interactions and everything that I just often struggle with, just understanding people, you know, it's like... I was talking to my brother about this a day or two ago and saying it's it's kind of like you're playing a game but but everyone else knows the rules and you don't so how good at the game are you going to be when every single day you you walk into it without knowing the rules without understanding the rules so you're just constantly trying to figure out what the rules are and observing other people and looking at what they do and trying to figure it out but it's just so draining and so exhausting that even when you do seem like you're getting somewhere um it's like you wake up the next day and have to start all over again it's just it doesn't come natural so you know I feel like my ideal my ideal scenario would be just working maybe three or four hours a day you know five days a week something like that Because that's about the capacity that I can handle before I get really stressed. Um, But of course, you know how are you going to survive and pay your bills and you know provide for a family on on that that level of work, part time? You just can't do it. So you, you know, I've got to do the 40 hours just like everyone else. But then I find half of that time I'm just um, in a strange state. So what I'm hoping is that I can get myself, what I'm not hoping, what I'm pl- working towards is getting myself to a place where I can pay my bills with writing and, and um, this kind of stuff where I can work at home, I can work when I want to, um, that's another thing with Asperger's struggle with is is sticking to a work schedule because sometimes we're just functioning at different times and it's not always on the schedule of what work dictates and that can be challenging because you can have days where you're just not, not really functioning and you still got to go to work and then it, it takes everything you have to hold it together to make it in there and then do it and then you're just sort of uh, stuck and then you find yourself just drained of energy and you come home and collapse and maybe you got to do it again the next day they you're even more drained and then by the time you get a day off all you really want to do is sit alone in a dark room in absolute silence and with like a you know sometimes it's all I, I wish for is just to be able to sit alone for a couple days in absolute silence and just recharge but you can't do it so um I've got some ideas for topics I want to cover I've had a few people message me and ask me some questions and I've been making notes so over the next couple weeks I'll, I'll get into some of that but for now I just wanted to like I said get something out there Um, a couple people have messaged me and said hey like how did you find out you have Asperger's what are your symptoms and for me like I said it's something I've kind of known for 10 or 15 years but never really fully accepted or embraced or decided to acknowledge a number of reasons One is just that feeling like I can I can figure this out I can do it I can figure this out myself which is uh, from talking to some other people with Asperger seems to be a pretty common thing in those of us that aren't diagnosed until you know our thirties forties or fifties is this idea that we can just do it we can just figure it out ourselves we don't ask for help we very tend to try to be independent. So there's that. Another part of it was when I look at other people with Asperger's who present more symptoms, obviously, that you look at and right away, within a second of meeting them, you're aware that they're different or that they have some kind of condition and something's going on. And I think there's this idea I've had where maybe people wouldn't believe me, or that which I've experienced now. I mean, I've, I've some of the people I've talked to just, I get this. Well, maybe that's not what it is, or oh, it's really, I never would have known, and, and I get that. But um, I think there's part of that. There's a fear of not being believed. There's a desire to be able to do it yourself, and I think those are, you know, some other reasons as well, but, and there's also, I mean, I think just, I have a terrible time with anything um, to do with, like, phone calls and filling out forms and paperwork and all this kind of stuff, I just struggle with that stuff, Um, I get anxiety when I see a missed call on my phone, and the little red light is on voicemail telling me I have a voicemail, And if it's from a number I don't recognize, I just get crazy anxiety. And I've had times where I'll go a couple of weeks without checking my voicemail because I just can't bring myself to hit that button. And I mean, it's crazy when I hear myself say it out loud. I'm just like, what's the big deal? Just listen to the voicemail. But so there's also a piece of this with, you know, trying to get a diagnosis of um, why it's taken so long. Is I'm just I've never been good at I've always struggled with navigating. Um, you know what do how do I how do I verbalize this? Um, I've always struggled with navigating offices and bureaucracy and government and things like that where I've got a make a phone call and talk to some person and I have to figure out how to articulate what I'm saying in a way that they'll understand and then I I find myself when I phone these doctors offices and I'm speaking to someone and I'm trying to ask for something and I I can feel my body temperature rise and I get all I get hot and I get worked up and I because I and the words I'm tripping over the words as I'm saying them and I'm trying to get them to understand what I mean and they're saying things to me and I sometimes don't understand what they're saying because the whole like literal brain thing or like there's just a way that people do these things there's just a way that people interact in these situations that is foreign to me so someone might say something to me and it could be obvious to them that I should know what they're talking about but I just won't and I'll just be like I don't understand what you're saying And then they'll try to explain it again. I'm like, I still don't understand. Can you use different words? Can you... Or I'll, like, pick a a single word out of their sentence and be like, can you define that word in this context for me? Because I don't understand what it means in the context of the sentence you're saying. And then I feel like the person on the other end of the line is just, they must think, like, oh, my God, like, I'm talking to an alien or something. And I'm just like... And then I'm feeling all frustrated and like my temperature goes up and I get all hot and my my adrenaline's going and I'm just like and then by the time I hang up the phone I'm just like collapsing I'm just like I don't even know what just happened I don't know if that made sense or not I don't know what's next or like a lot of times when I talk to these people there's like an understanding of what is the next step but I don't connect that so I have to have it defined I'm like so what happens next like do I call you again? Are you calling me again? Are we, do we have like, what is the next step? Am I, am I supposed to do anything now? Am I waiting for someone to do something? Because I don't want to make, like assume that they're going to call me back. Cause if that's not the case, then I could wait like three months and then I call them back and they're like, Oh, you're supposed to call us. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. So I was like, so I think there's just in, in my brain, this avoidance of um, dealing with these people, these offices, these telephone calls, and filling out forms, and it's just a real struggle, so now I'm in the process of doing this, and it's just like, um, you know, just one one or two of those phone calls, and I can just be kind of spent for an hour or two afterwards, I mean, it's really challenging, so I mean, there's that, and I, I hear myself saying this stuff, and I feel like I sound like a crazy person, but it's like, this is just how my brain worked, um, but yeah, so back to you know a couple people have said to me like what are your symptoms or how did you know and like I said I've known for a long time the symptoms that I have are I mean when I look at the different checklists some of the books I've been reading they'll have a checklist of symptoms and I look through it and I like I'm I'm ticking 90 plus percent of the boxes so I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna scan a couple of those and post them to the blog next week and then go through you know, point by point and talk about each one and really um, try to get some understanding of, of those symptoms. But I mean, all the symptoms that are common, um, you know, feeling socially awkward, having the anxiety, not understanding interactions, you know, and inability to read, you know, body language or tone of voice or gestures or all these things. I mean, they just, they really mess with me. I mean, I was talking to my partner last night about this. And she's a hand talker, which is awesome. Very expressive, and it's wonderful. But there are certain gestures that my brain just interprets in a negative way that aren't even meant to be in a negative way. But when I see those gestures, I just suddenly feel as though I'm being belittled or dismissed in certain ways. But that's not actually what she's doing. But it's just how my brain interprets that signal. So then I immediately feel myself getting angry. And then I have to just stop myself and breathe and just go, hang on, I'm getting angry because of that. And it's not your fault, it's not what you did. It's not that that gesture you made is actually intended to make me feel that way. It's just for whatever reason, when my brain sees that particular gesture, it interprets it in a certain way. So there's these kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, some of the other symptoms, like the executive functioning idea, like, I'm, transitions to me are so difficult. Going from one thing to the next, I mean, sometimes it takes me an hour to switch from vacuuming to doing dishes. I mean, it's something as simple as that. There's an hour in between of me figuring it out. I know I'm finished this thing. I know this is the next thing I want to do. But for some reason, my brain just can't do it. Um... I have to have everything in the same place all the time. I get really upset when things get moved. Like, something as simple as the other day. Like, my tweezers in the bathroom. I keep them in the exact same spot, and they were moved. So, somebody else used them and put them somewhere else. And I just, like, I just want to fly off the handle. It's like, I can't handle that. It's like, I just get so upset when something... Because my brain is, like, trying to create some kind of order, at least in my little piece of the world. And when that order gets disturbed, it's just really unsettling. It's like the... It's like feeling the ground crack beneath my feet. Which is, again, like, everything I'm saying, I feel like I sound like a crazy person talking about this. But it's like, you know... Um, the other thing is... Um, another group of symptoms, I think, is the sensory processing disorder stuff. I mean, just my... I've always had a problem with sensory processing. There's um, certain things I can't touch. Like, I think I mentioned this before, but like wooden spoons. You know those wooden spoons you use to stir a pot when you're making soup or something? It's like those wooden spoons, the texture, because they're kind of rough. um, Touching one of those would feel to me like... A thousand different little electric shocks and then they're all shooting up my arm it would be overwhelming and another one is oil I can't touch anything oily or greasy if I get oil on my hands it is it takes over to the point where I can't do anything else I can't concentrate on anything else until the oil is gone and I'll be in the bathroom just scrubbing it off washing my hands rinsing them and then washing them again and rinsing them and washing them again and rinsing them and i just can't get you know and and god forbid if i get anything oil on my face i just can't like i just it makes like i just want to fall to the ground and scream like it's that intense <laughs> um something to do with the way that um it's processed that's the way the sense is processed by my brain i guess you know and then sounds are the same um I can't differentiate sounds when there's a whole bunch of sounds going on at once. So a few years back, I actually, I thought I might have hearing issues because I, I would constantly be going, what, huh? Can you say that again? What? Because I'd be in like a bar or a restaurant or something and talking to people and I just couldn't hear. And I'd look around and it seemed like everybody else was having conversations and were fine. But to me, it's like the sound of all the other conversations and the music and the clinking of dishes in the kitchen and the the doors going open and closed and like all those different sounds the footsteps back and forth of the waiters like all of those sounds would just combine and just be one big wall of sound where I couldn't differentiate the different pieces of the different sounds within that so it's just like a big sound soup or something that I I couldn't um, handle so I started thinking well maybe I have a hearing issue so I went and got my hearing tested and they said no your hearing is absolutely fine but so then I realized, okay, it's not my hearing that's the issue. It's my brain. It's the processing. So, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've just hated being in loud places. When I was even in my early 20s, like if I was out with friends and they wanted to go to a nightclub, we'd we'd go in, and you know, within within 10 minutes, I would have to leave. I just and it got to the point where you know I was doing the Irish goodbye like I couldn't even say bye to everybody because I couldn't hear I'd be standing there and we'd all be standing around together and everyone's talking and I'm just like I can't hear a thing and so I just am not talking I would just sort of retreat into myself and and there we go um and this happens too and, and and it's something you know I spoke with my partner about the other day we had a really great conversation and um, she's been fantastic in, in supporting me with this whole deal and being really honest and open with me about some of the issues she's had with my issues. And one of them is the sound thing, too. Like like if we're at a family gathering and there's just a bunch of people in a room and it's loud, you know, I think any more than about three or four voices and I just start getting lost And I'd be in this room and then I just can't hear anybody, even if you're sitting right beside me and talking to me like I can't hear. So I just end up kind of retreating into myself, into my own head um, because I can't hear and it's just too difficult to try to hear. I just can't do it. And And I think she would get upset with me and think that I'm being rude or that I I'm not making an effort to talk to her family or, you know, something along those lines. And the reality was like, a, it's not at all the case. I want to talk to everybody. I want to. Now I understand what is actually happening is that your your, your brain can't do it and and I'm sorry that I was mad at you and I'm just like, hey, that's fine and and you don't have to be sorry because we didn't know what it was And, and this is one of the things that you think about when you have this condition is that things that we do can appear to be rude to other people or appear that we're not interested in them or that we don't care about them or we're just being selfish or we're acting like we're bored. I mean, these things can be interpreted in so many different ways the reality that's not the reality of what's actually going on because what's actually going on is we're just our brains are shutting down because we can't handle it um and it's very different if I'm hanging out with the same people and it's like one-on-one or two-on-two it's great we can talk you know it's just um so anyway that's that's the some of those symptoms um yeah the executive functioning stuff and and then another thing is, I mean, there's the the AQ test online from, you know, Simon Baron Cohen, who's a who's a researcher in the UK who specializes in autism. You can go online and just search AQ test. And I took that test online years ago, and I've taken it a few times over the years. Um, and basically, the test is it's scored out of fifty, and I think it's if you score, you know, 33 or higher, then they say there's a good chance you could be on the spectrum, um, and I've consistently scored in the 40s on that test, so, but I think, you know, I don't know why I didn't look into it more years ago when I first took the test, I was just kind of curious, and I took it and went, oh, okay, maybe I'm, a, you know, to use the phrase, maybe I'm just a little bit autistic, you know, um, which I know a lot of people don't like that phrase, and but that's kind of how I felt, and You know, recently I took the test again and I scored a 46. So I looked at it and I go, okay, so if 33 and up is possibly autistic and it's scored out of 50, scoring a 46 is pretty darn high. And I think, well, if that's not a good indication, I don't know what is. Um, And then just um, out of curiosity and kind of as a control group, I asked three of my good buddies to take the test. So I sent them each the link. And said, hey, can you take this test? And I didn't tell them what my score was. I just asked them to take it and then tell me what their score was. And I think one got 18 and one scored 20 and one scored 21. So those are three of my good buddies. Um, You know, 18, 20, and 21 or something like that. I mean, it was between the three of them. It was between 18 and 21 each, you know. And then I went, okay, so this is a good indication. Um... And it's funny because I have friends that I just um a couple of my really good buddies are just extroverts and they're just they're great at talking to people and they're funny and they're quick-witted and they can just walk into a room and be friends with everybody and know everybody and have this amazing energy where everybody wants to know them and be their friend and and I and I'm just sort of quiet and it's it's some of some of these some of these guys like my you know good buddy Pete and my um, good buddy Derek out east, I mean, they're, they're, and my, you know, um, uh, you know, my, my best friend Jamie out west, I mean, these, these three guys are, are, you know, three of my best friends and, and they just, they're, it's incredible to me sometimes when I spend time with them, just the way they are in a room and they're just so funny and everybody loves them and they're just, you know, Derek can walk into a room and within half an hour he knows everybody and everybody loves him and he loves everybody and he's having these great conversations and he's making friends and he's just able to schmooze and do his thing and I just sit there and I'm just like in awe of it, I'm just like how, I, I don't understand how you do that and then my buddy Pete's the same way, he's just, he's quick and he always has the right thing to say and he's just funny and you know, people love him and I, and we're great friends and when we're one on one we have these awesome deep conversations that are, and he's a brilliant guy, he's smart. But when I'm in those other situations, I just sit there and I'm just like in awe. I'm like, how are you so quick and funny and just warm and charming and the whole bit? I mean, it's just amazing to me. And then same thing with my, you know, buddy Jamie out west. I mean, he's, we used to hang out and I just think like he, he just makes everybody feel amazing around him. Um, he's kind of one of those guys that like everybody thinks of him as their best friend because he's just such a good guy. And he's, again, super funny and outgoing and just amazing. And I just, I'm like in awe. I just, I would sit there and just watch him and be like, I don't know how you're so funny and so quick. But I mean, one of the great things about having these kinds of friends is, is, um, I I saw a meme the other day that said something about how people with Asperger's make friends. And it was just like, basically you get adopted by an extrovert. (laughs) Who just decides that they like you and then you, and then because we don't we ourselves are struggle with making friends but when you get adopted like when an extrovert ado- so I kind of feel like that with with these guys and, and some others it's like when when an extrovert adopts me and decides to be my friend I, I feel like I, I'm I just I'm like score okay cool I have a friend now because I don't know how to make a friend I don't know how to do it and then the, the amazing thing is too when I hang out with these these guys. It's like, I feel funnier. I feel like I, I can't do it in a group of people, but when I'm sort of one-on-one or in small groups, like when I'm with these guys, like I can feel myself being a little funnier and a little more relaxed and they're able to make me feel that way. And it's just fantastic. And, you know, and my only worries that I'm, I'm maybe the friendship's one-sided and I'm not contributing as much to them as they are to me and that's a worry sometimes because I, I just, not that I don't want to but I just don't know how or it just doesn't come naturally so anyway that's that's um, some of that the EQ test I wanted to talk about and I think I'm going to go through that um, test at some point I'll talk about it on the podcast in more depth um, And then another thing I I wanted to mention was just thinking about the way um, autism has been portrayed in the media, and, you know, going back to the 80s when I was a kid and that movie Rain Man came out, and then, you know, so you think, well, that's what autistic is, it's it's Rain Man, it's these sort of, maybe they're savants, but they're they can't take care of themselves, they have to live in institutions and maybe they have these like crazy abilities like you can name a date and they know what the weather was or you know, things like that you can go January 4th, 1972 and they're like, oh it was a cloudy day and there was a bit of snow and you know, that kind of thing but you just go uh, um, excuse me you know, so, so that's what you think and then you look at, you know I remember seeing Like a 60 Minutes episode or something with like the real guy that was based on, and you go, oh, that's that's really different. And I don't feel like that. So, and then so I think you know I remember um, years ago I saw this movie called Mozart and the Whale with um, Josh Hartnett and and Rada Mitchell or Michelle Rada Mitchell, something like that. And I remember seeing that and going, oh kind of relate to this a little bit, I kind of feel like, and I don't know why, but I just watched that movie over and over and over again, and then same thing with uh, The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio, something about that movie, when I got the DVD, I just watched it over and over and over again, and I was like, something about his character that I related to, just, just the the feeling strange, the the being strange, the, sometimes like repeating himself, like, show me the blueprints, show me the blueprints, show me the blueprints. And I find, like, I'm like, I do that sometimes when I'm alone, and I'm always talking to myself, because I'm always, um, practicing conversations. Like, I will, if I know I, I'm gonna go see somebody, I'll, I'll go for a walk for 45 minutes, and I'll just, in my head, be practicing talking to them, and, like, th- different things I could say, and, like, how I could say it in a tone of voice, and I don't know if that sounds creepy, but it's, it, it's not... It's not creepy, like, it's not like you're wanting to deceive people or you're being fake. It's just like you're just, you're trying to be authentic. You're practicing so that you can actually try to be who you really are. Which is, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's how it feels, you know. Um, Which is another thing. Again, I was talking to my partner a few weeks ago and talking about little programs, little apps that I run in my own brain when I'm talking to people and how, you know, like the eye contact thing, it's like my brains just develop this little program that I run when I'm having a conversation, which is just this, like, it's like a little ping that just is a constant reminder to look them in the eye. Cause I'll, I'll be looking at them and then I'll, as I'm speaking or listening, I will just, my head will turn and I'll look away. And then I have this little, I have this little program I'm running in my head, like every few seconds to go boop. And I turn back and look him in the eye, and then I start looking away. And then, so I do that, and I think I've probably got it to the point where it probably appears pretty natural, but in my head, it's like this conscious thing I'm doing um, borderline subconscious because it's been running this program for so long, it now sort of runs on its own. And I don't necessarily consciously think about it, but I am aware that it's happening, and which is weird, right? And then I was talking to my partner about this, and she said, Well, that's you know, that sound, in a way that sounds kind of creepy, like almost like a sociopath or something. And I thought, yeah, I understand that. But I think there's a major difference in that. A sociopath maybe is running similar programs because they're trying to deceive people because they have bad intentions and they want to appear to have good intentions. They want to appear to have empathy and they want to appear to care about you. So they might be running similar programs whereas I think somebody with Asperger's we might be running those programs not because we want to deceive you but because we really want to connect we have good intentions we want to be we want to love and we want to be loved and we feel pain and we feel other people's pain like immensely and all of these things so I think there's a really important thing there that that, anyway, we talked about that when I explained that to her, she said, okay, that makes sense now it doesn't sound creepy when you say it like that because that's, it's not that I'm running these programs because I want to deceive anybody it's just because I really want to connect and I don't know how I don't naturally know how, so the intellectual part of my brain will observe other people's behavior and then sort of create these programs to mimic it and then run these programs in my own head while I'm interacting with people in an effort to truly connect and I don't, again I mean I think all of this sounds so crazy when I talk about it but it's just real it's just the way it is um, you know and I I think another part of the piece of why you know seeking this diagnosis has taken so long in my life is just I don't know, embarrassment, shame, fear, and, and, and all these other things of just... Um, and I appear... I think I appear relatively, quote-unquote, normal, and that's really difficult because I see other people with autism and I, I go, that I obviously have autism. And I think, well, if that's what people think of as autistic, they're going to look at me and just be like, what are you talking about? But they don't see me when I'm... Because I because I'm running all these programs when I'm in public, they don't see me when I'm at home and I'm sitting alone in the dark and I might be rocking a little bit or I might be sort of shaking my arm for, like, shaking my wrist or something because it feels good. I don't know why it feels good. Or I might just, like, you know, uh, when I lived alone, I mean, I could go sometimes days without talking to people, weeks maybe, and be, you know, or just be alone in the dark and these things, so, anyway, lots to talk about, lots to figure out, we'll go into it, I'll uh, post links to some of the stuff I'm talking about in the, on the um, Facebook page, when I post this, I will, in the comments, I'll post links to uh, the AQ test and some of the, the movies I mentioned, things like that, and again, I, I really welcome any questions, I welcome conversation, um, I also quickly wanted to mention this group in London called LAST, L-A-S-T, London Autistic Standing Together. I went to my first meeting on Monday, um, Monday evening, and it was great. uh, There were some challenging moments. It really showed me that this thing is a spectrum and that there are just so many people on the spectrum, we're all as different as we are the same, and different things manifest in different ways, and with different levels of severity, and different issues we each have, and it's just really cool that these people um, organize this group that meets, um, and gets together, and just gives everybody a place to to be, and I was talking to one guy there, who's a little younger, maybe like a high, you know, I don't know, high school or university age, and he just said to me that he liked it because it gave him a place where he didn't have to worry about being awkward. And I thought that was that was bang on. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll at some point I, I hope to get one or more of the organizers of this group together to, to record a conversation, to play for you. Uh, I think it's really neat. Um, it's my first time. It was intense in a lot of ways, just being there and being in the room with all these people with autism and, and just kind of going okay like part of me is just like I found a place where I can be me and these are my people and another part of me is just like wow this is also just really intense because there's a lot of struggles and challenges that, that uh, um, we're all gonna you know that we deal with and so I had to go have a beer after and just sort of decompress but it was great I'm super thankful that I was allowed to attend and I, I plan to attend more and like I said I'll, I'll try to get um, one or more of the organizers together to record a conversation um in the meantime this has gone on wow i'm now into 40 minutes oh, this is a bit long but i hope that's okay um i should get going though i gotta like i said get ready for work i gotta leave in 10 minutes so um quick shower and head out the door but uh thank you for listening again Check me, check out the Instagram and the Facebook page at adulting with Asperger's. Um, leave comments, send me messages, ask questions. I think uh, maybe next week or the week after I'll start doing a bit of a Q&A at the end of each show where I just answer some questions or, or you know, to the best of my ability. And again, I want to just reiterate and make very clear that I do not know what I'm talking about. This is all new to me and... I'm learning and as I learn I research and read books and go online and I see conflicting information and things I need to figure out for myself and, uh, which is why these groups are great and why I want to keep attending and why these books are great that I'm reading and, and why I'm seeking a professional diagnosis and seeking a professional who is experienced and trained specifically in dealing with autism spectrum disorder so that I can get the help that I need Um, So here we are. We'll continue on that journey. And I've got an appointment with a psychologist set for July. And I was given some more information um, on Monday night by one of the people there about another um, government group that I need to call. So she's given me the information and it's now a few days later and I still haven't called yet because... Uh, oh no, I did. I called yesterday and I left a message and I haven't heard back yet. So I will try them again tomorrow. But uh, wow, I actually made that call pretty quick. Sometimes it takes me a week or more to work up the nerve to make a phone call. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks thanks everybody for listening. Um, I really appreciate the feedback I've gotten from people. Just some messages and comments of people just saying wishing me well on this journey and thanking me for sharing and even some of their own stories about some of their own troubles that, that we've shared together and So I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I'll let you go now. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Um, With love and gratitude, this is Ryan Summers signing off for Adulting with Asperger's. Bye for now.
0: Hold up. What was that?